We've been working our way through the book of John. And as we've worked our way through the book of John, it has been um, really interesting. See, I'm popping again. It didn't pop last night. I'm popping. That's not a hip-hop term, by the way. Uh, But if it pops too long, I'll swap to the handheld mic again. Um, And um, we had an investigation last week to find out what was happening with the popping of the mic. And clearly, it's still popping. Um, It's it's a great church, this. I love it. Uh, We're going to jump into John 13, verse 36 to 38. We've been on a series through the book of John, and we started off by looking at the life of Lazarus and realized that even in our pain and in our delay, that Jesus Christ identifies with our pain and our suffering. And when we cry, he cries. And when we shake, he shakes. And he is with us. We then went on to look at the story of Mary and Martha as Martha created a beautiful dinner at the home of Simon the leper. And we understood that Mary came into that gathering, broke the perfume over and brought the very best to Jesus. And within our life, as we looked at that, we understand that we need to learn to bring the very best to the Lord Jesus Christ. We then moved on and we thought about the whole idea about Jesus on his journey towards the cross. And he was preparing himself. The infinite Lord was coming to deal with an eternal problem of sin that would be defeated by God himself being nailed to the cross. And we have that verse that unless the Son of God is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. Numbers chapter 21 that talks about the rebellion of Israel. And of course, there the snakes came into the camp and bit all the people that were rebellious. So don't be rebellious. And, and for those that were going to be healed, they had to look at the serpent that was a bronze serpent that was raised up. And you know... There is always the poison within our lives, but the answer to the poison of the bite of the snake or the serpent is to look into the face of Jesus on the cross and he delivers us from the poison of this world. And he frees us. And we understand that, that he frees us and he delivers us and he brings that freedom into our lives. We then looked at the washing of the feet where we saw the glorious moment of where, where Jesus got down from the table. And as he got down from the table, he, he washed their feet. He took off his garment. He, he took on the towel. He poured out the bowl. He cleaned their feet. He made them clean. And then he returned to his place at the table. Such a picture of the glory of what Jesus came and took off his garments of the glory of heaven to this earth. Picked up the towel of serving humanity. Poured himself out for one and all of us so that we may be free. And as he poured himself out, we experience his healing. And then as we experience his healing and his power, he comes and, and he's now returned to the right hand of God. And today, Jesus Christ is seated in the glory of heaven. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is that. And then we moved on to talk about the, the reality and the understanding that, that we are given a command to love one another. 
And that we are not just to be narrow in our love, but we are to love all. And that the radical Christian message is one of love. It's one of forgiveness. And we saw that illustrated in the life of Judas. When we saw how Jesus, even with his betrayal, was continually reaching out to the life of Judas. He, he talked to them in, in, in a way that said, you've all had a bath, but one of you is unclean. He spoke about the way from Psalm 41 verse 9, about how in reality, uh, about the, the betrayal of David by his closest friend and quoted that verse. He then asked Judas to come and sit next to him in the place of honour and the closeness that was there and the intimacy to reach out to him. He then dipped the bread and so to say, you're my closest friend. Satan had not entered Judas. And all of those precursors, you know, we can only surmise that this is the love of God. And I know it's the love of God reaching out and that linking to Boaz and to Ruth in um, in Ruth chapter 2, verse 14, when he says, come and dip the bread. And this is Ruth, who is a lost refugee, a, a widow of no status and not even a Jew. And yet Boaz, the king's man redeemer, says, come and dip the bread because you are loved. You are accepted. I care for you so much. It's amazing. Well, where do we land now? Well, we're going to move on for a few minutes. And we're going to read these uh, couple of verses. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Powerful verses. Peter is amazing. And this morning, what I want to do is take a moment to look at the life of Peter and understand what he represents and what he did and, and all. And I'd like to say, start first of all and talk about the primacy of Peter in Scripture. Wow. Wow. If there is any individual in scripture, any disciple that is spoken of more, written about more, quoted more, it's Peter the apostle in all the gospels. He is a larger than life character. He is the character that is, that is amazing. He's, he's there in all the gospels. His words are there and he's, he's quoted again and again. In fact, if you understand and you look at this, he is quoted for his forthright statements. He's quoted for his uh, major events that you know in his history. He's quoted for the way that he, he, he engages and, and the way that he speaks. He, was not, he, he would spend, he's the most quoted apostle speaking to Jesus and having conversation with Jesus one after another and again and again. He's, he's remarkable in the way that he, he talks and he, he, he would even reprove Jesus and kind of tell Jesus off. Which didn't always go down very well. You know, get thee behind me, Satan. Whoa. And, and he would do that. But Jesus would reprove him as well. 
He's a larger than life character that we all love. And believe me, preachers love to talk about Peter. Because you can get some good jokes there. You can, he's larger than life. And yet his primacy is so important. When you look at the list of disciples, who is always quoted first? Peter. Who is always quoted last? Judas. You see that he has so much to teach us. And even in these verses, we see that he is um, willing to step out. He is willing to step in. And he's willing to say, boy, I, I will never, I will never forsake you. I will never, I'll never leave you. I am with you right the way. Let's run across some things in his life. Right from the beginning, when Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Tiberias. And he sat there and, and he was teaching and he was in the boat and he said to Peter, Peter, cast the uh, net on the other side. Peter did this and got a massive amount of fish. And Peter was so overwhelmed that he declared, uh, depart from me for I am a sinner. Wow, who are you? I'm not worthy. I am useless. I'm like, what? Jesus, who is this guy? I mean, he was always pretty straightforward in his language. He's then, uh, you know, in the north area, uh, Philippi Caesarea, and they've gone far north. And Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, you're this, that. And then Peter says the great statement, you are the Messiah. You are the Lord. You are the son of the living God. He makes that statement, doesn't he? Peter also is found in the boat and, and Jesus appears walking on water. And what does Peter do? He says, I'm here. And he says, if it is you, tell me to come and to walk on the water. And what does Peter do? He says, I am coming. And all the disciples are going, this is going to be fun. And he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water and then he starts to sink and he cries, Lord, save me. And the Lord says, oh, you of little faith. And he probably thinks to himself, me of little faith? Look at those bozos in the boat. They've got no faith and I'm sinking in the water right now. This is Peter. He, he, when, when everybody was leaving Jesus, everybody was walking away from Jesus. Jesus says to him, are you too going to leave me? And of course, Peter says, uh, who? Who would I go to? Where would I go? I'm in this for the long term. I've got the teachings hard, but who on earth is like you? Nobody's like you. There are mounts, the Mount of uh, Transfiguration, a glorious mountain. It's quite a climb up. And they're right there. And then the glory of the Lord shines through Jesus Christ because, of course, he is the glory of the Lord. And the transfiguration takes place. And as a transfiguration takes place, um, Elijah and Moses drop in for a cup of tea. And, and they're there. And he goes, whoa, this is amazing. Let's build tents and let's build shacks. And let's keep the glory of the Lord. And Moses can sleep in this one. Elijah can sleep in this one. Jesus, you can sleep in this one. I'll sleep in this one. He is a typical Canadian man. If if in doubt, build something. Renovate something. There at the time of the washing of the feet, he's like, no, no. Don't wash my feet. Don't. No, you can't. Well, if you must wash my feet, wash my whole body then. 
And then in John 21, he says this. See, I'm standing very still to see if it's it, but I don't think it's... Uh, in John 21, he says this. Let's see if this works. <laughs> oh, I might have healed it. Um, in John 21, he says these beautiful words. He says, when Jesus said, feed my feet, do you love me? Feed my sheep, do you love me? Feed my feet. Do you love me? It's a long weekend. (laughs) Do you love me? And then Jesus says, Lord, I love you. What What a character. What an individual. What a way that he connected and he moved and worked. What a, two things come out of mind from this kind of little homily of, of his life that teaches about his character, that teaches about his boldness. First of all, we learn that Peter was a bold, courageous man. And secondly, we learn that he loved Jesus completely. Gentlemen, if you can live your life like that, such a difference will take place. That if you can live in your life as a bold and courageous man for the kingdom of God and also love Jesus, then you can change the world and God can move in power in your life. And that God is at work. So we have this this idea, and I want to encourage you, that within your walk with the Lord, that we are people of courage. We're people of belief. We're people that move forward. We're people that believe that we can do it. And secondly, that we are ultimately driven by a deep love for the Lord Jesus Christ in every area of our life. But there's a presumption about Peter, which is his weakness. And we see the presumption here. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? So at this moment, why don't you read quietly the rest of this verse? (laughs) And I will. How are we? Oh, okay. We're good now. So Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? You see, there's a presumption in this statement that I will never fail you. I will lay my life down for you. I am with you and I will not fail you. He's right there. Um, And Jesus questions him. He says, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Me? Never. I will never disown you. I will lay down my life for you. I'm with you. And I believe him right now. Having looked through all of what has been spoken about and all that has been said about his life, he is a bold, courageous man who says that even if the Romans came into that upper room at that moment and came into that room, he would have pulled out. There would have been a brawl. He would have fought for Jesus. He was willing to go strong and to stand and to go for it. 
But there's a real presumption within his language that he's saying, I am strong enough and I have the ability enough and I have the skill enough and I have the force of character enough to, to give everything to you, Jesus. And this is a dangerous place for any of us to be in when we think that we can manage our life and our circumstances and our relationship with God in our own resources, in our own power, in our own strength. There's a presumption. And what we have to be willing to do is, is, is say, I can't do this because what happens after this? He, there is a presumption, but then there is a mighty plunge. He falls, doesn't he? From all of his good words, from all of his good statements, he falls from a mighty height. He's like that guy who, in the circuses that climb up the ladder and then, then suddenly you see him plunge into six inches of water. I mean, he fell big time. And he plunged. And there's a massive splash. Well, how did he plunge? Well, he plunged, first of all, they went with Jesus down to the, um, the Garden of Gethsemane. And when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is agonizing in prayer. And he says, will you watch and pray? And he goes off and agonizes. He comes back and they're all asleep. Plunge. Jesus says, can't you just stay awake? You remember your words? Peter, I will lay down my life for you. I will lay down my life for you. But actually, I will. I'll go to sleep right now. I love my sleep more. I prefer my sleep more than, than being with you, Jesus, and praying and going for that. Then the guards arrive and he pulls his sword out. And again, he plunges again. <laughs> yeah, I think the batteries have gone. And he uses Hey, there we go. Where is Chris and you found? Uh, when you need him. Um, so, so there, there, where am I? Oh, uh, he plunges all the way down. And, and we see that in the middle of this garden, the, the, the priests come. And as the priests come, they, 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 they try and arrest and, and he pulls out a sword, Peter does. And I've joked about this a lot. And preachers joke about it. But actually, uh, I was reading the theology of this again this week. And they were saying that the kind of hat that Malthus would have worn, who cut his ear off, it was, was, was a helmet. And the ears would show. And as the helmet was, was on, suddenly they cut off off his ear. So really, Peter got one in pretty good. He would have hit the helmet, the sword would have slid down, and then cut his ear off. But we always say, oh, he wasn't very good, he missed. Uh, but he was probably very good. But he was a brave man. And here Jesus said, put your sword away. And he's plunging again. Then they arrest Jesus, and he finds himself right there. And the slave girl looks at him and says, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And as he looks at him and says, no, I'm not. I'm nothing to do with Jesus. He 
finds himself right there by the, the coals and the embers around the fire in that early morning. And there he denies Jesus three times. I mean, he goes from declaring, I will never leave you. I will never lay my down life from you. And he can't stay awake. He, he ends up in a fight, cutting somebody's ear up. And then he ends up denying the Lord Jesus Christ three times in his strong Galilean accent, declaring, I am not a follower of Christ. And then the rooster crows. I mean, he's plunged, hasn't he? He's gone from saying, I am strong, I am awesome, I am amazing, to plunging down. truth is, each one of us struggle to hand everything over to Jesus. And our natural abilities and our natural power and our natural default is to say to ourselves, I can handle it. I have the resources. I'm good enough. I will not let Jesus down. I will do it in my own power, my own skill. My own capability, my own personality, my own good looks, my own uh, education, my own ability to manage my life. I don't need, I will do everything in my own power. But let me tell you, when you try and do everything in your natural power, somewhere you lose Jesus Christ. And so his preeminence in scripture... But his presumption is that he can do it in his own strength, which is the danger of our generation, that our presumption is that we can do everything in our own strength. And friends and men here, I want to encourage you, we cannot do it in our own strength. And there are moments in our lives when we realise this, when we plunge down because we realise that we've been doing it the wrong way and we find ourselves Deleting Jesus from the equation and doing it in our natural power. And this is a statement of natural power rather than a statement of humility. I think he meant it, of course, of course he meant it. We see that from his whole catalogue of the moments in Scripture. So what changed things? His perfection. Well, what changed things was Acts chapter 2, when Peter was filled with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit took place. I think a round of applause for God. That the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit took place. And he was filled And something remarkable happened to Peter in Acts chapter 2 that sent him from a man who just said the right words and stepped into the situation and believed in his own power and believed in his own strength. Peter was consumed by the fire of God and that changed his life. And when I read the Gospels, I do see... That on one side there is an unhealthy Peter, the hulk of the man, the man with his own personality, the man with his self-sufficient, 
the man who cries out, who rebukes Jesus, who does so much in his own strength, who has so many opinions. And then I see after Acts, I see a man after the resurrection. I see a man who is willing to give everything to God and a man that became a rock. A man that was willing to stand because Jesus Christ rebooted his life. And he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to such a point that he gave up his presumption. He gave up his old, old weaknesses and he surrendered everything so that he could become the man of God that God called him to be. And the truth is this. Gentlemen, is that there's an unhealthy version of who we are. And what Christ wants to do is redeem us and to turn us into the godly, healthy version of the man of God that we should be. And so many of us live our lives in an unhealthy way, like Peter, outspoken, aggressive, full of anger, pulling the sword out, saying, something and doing another thing, stepping out but then failing and we're frustrated and then finally denying, denying Christ. And and Michelle said to me, because she heard this last night, she said, why do you think it's in scripture that, that, that when I read about him denying Christ, why, why would he deny, why is it there? And, and I, would I have denied Christ at that moment? And the truth is probably we would have denied Christ. We would have failed Christ at that moment. And we, shouldn't, we would have in that pressure where he's going to his death and there's no understanding of the resurrection. Maybe you and I, the truth is, we would have denied Christ. But this is the truth, that even when we plunge and we deny Christ, even when we fail, even when we fall from a great height, even when we look at our lives and say, I've made so many mistakes, Jesus can fill you with the Holy Spirit. He can still make you a rock. He can reset your life and he can fill you with the glorious presence of God and your life is not over because God is into redemption. And he took Peter from his bad self to his glorious self, to his perfection, to the greatest spoken of all disciples from where he plunged down to where Christ raised him up to the very moment in Rome. As church history says, he's condemned to be crucified. And with tears, he weeps and says, this is such a privilege to die the same way Jesus Christ died. Well, the Romans didn't like that. They said, oh, in that case, we'll crucify you upside down. But he was still willing. You see, a rope that has been broken, that is sliced back together, is stronger than it was before with a skillful hand. And when we've been broken, and when we've plunged, and when we've failed, and when we've battled, and when our bad personality has taken over within us, and yet we allow the skillful hand of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to put us back together, you will be stronger than you were before. But you've got to be willing to say, Lord, put me back together. Lord, fill me with your glorious presence.
Because the presumption is, I will lay down my life for you. The reality is, his character wasn't redeemed until the power of God filled him. And God took him and perfected him. And we're all on that journey. And the difference between his natural Peter and the supernatural Peter is the fullness of Christ and the Godhead dwelling within the believer. That we have God's presence, that we have God's spirit, and that we are there. It's that Romeo in the Greek. It is the godness, the fullness of God that dwells and Christ is in us. And we know that. And he rebuilds us. And for any of us that ask, will he not deny us the gift of the Holy Spirit? Will he not deny us his strength? If, as Luke says, if, if unbelievers can give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? And this encourages me. Because we may put... Put Peter to the point of a buffoon at times. We may preach about him that he's a big hulk. And yet, we may crack little jokes about Peter. But he's a man that has traveled the full journey. He's traveled from following Jesus in his own strength to being broken in that time of his plunge to being rebuilt and then being used so greatly as the bishop of Jerusalem and God used him in power. I want that to be my story. That I will go from the pain of my unhealthy character and learn through my plunges and that I will continually be sanctified and perfected as Christ moves within me. It's wonderful, isn't it? And here at the table, we remember that it's all because of the cross. And it's all because of what Jesus Christ has done. And the way that he has moved. And so as we draw... To close this little teaching on Peter. Let's make that decision, dear friends, that we will move from our natural belief in ourselves to our utter dependency in the presence of Christ within your life. And allow Christ to fill you and be with you and to give you that strength.